Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Zone's non-stop sports talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. This is the Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin, presented by Renters Warehouse. And here we go. Straight up, 6 o'clock by my watch means it is time for the one and only Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Glad to have you with us. Blessed to have you as a part of my audience. Blessed to have an audience. My name is Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. Our telephone number is 615-737-1045. That's 737-1045. Behind the glass tonight is Ryan Mudd. He is my producer. He will be the gatekeeper. If you want to talk to me, you have to go through him first. He can be a tough cookie to crack, so good luck with that. Again, 615-737-1045. Say it every night. I'm blessed beyond measure, all reasonable and otherwise. Hope you recognize that you are as well. Was not the best of weekends in the country, as you well know. But I hope that this finds you and yours doing as good as can possibly be expected. And my DMs always remain open for faith-based conversations. I will never not say that. I've never got any pushback for saying it, but I will never not say it. And if it's not me that you trust, if it's if I'm just some random Yahoo on the radio that sometimes you listen to, I hope that there is somebody in your life that you do trust that you could have that conversation with because it certainly could not be more important. Tonight, I kind of want to talk about a couple of different things. Two college football stories, or maybe not stories, but topics off the top of the show, and then we'll get to some other stuff. Pro football focus, I don't know if it actually came out today or if it came out a couple of days ago. They put out numbers for both Tua Tongo Vailoa of Alabama and Trevor Lawrence at Clemson. And when you look at the way that they rated these two guys, it left me thinking something a little different than just the numbers. But I want to lay out the case and the stats and the facts for you first. In the pro football focus grading system, Tua was a 90.7 as a sophomore this past season. That's the second best ever from a quarterback in that classification. Mason Rudolph actually was higher at a 91.9 as a sophomore. Trevor Lawrence as a true freshman was a 90.6. That's absurd. No freshman ever graded by pro football focus has been higher than an 81.5. There were 97 games played by quarterbacks in college football last year that pro football focus declared elite as they rated them. These two guys are responsible for seven of those 97. Tua's passer rating was a 137.5. Trevor's was a 111.4. That's number one for Tua, number five for Trevor Lawrence. Tua was 10th in the country in percentage of targets past the first down marker. Trevor was 12th. 
Tua, 15 touchdowns to one interception on intermediate throws. That designates throws between 10 and 20 yards downfield. Those are the throws that I believe Marcus Mariota needs to improve upon if he wants to be here long-term. Trevor had 12 touchdowns, zero interceptions. They were third and 13th in yards per attempt on those particular throws. Then pro football focus got to the traits of these two guys. Tua's ball placement is elite. His escapability and pocket presence are also good, but his accuracy is outrageously good. 22.1% of his attempts were deemed perfectly placed compared to the rest of college football last year. Again, I said 22.1 perfectly placed balls according to pro football focus. Kyler Murray, who won the Heisman, number one pick in the draft, all the hype and bluster surrounding what he's going to do in Arizona, 18.3. Daniel Jones out of Duke, number six pick to the Giants, 16.4. Dwayne Haskins, first-round draft pick of the Washington Redskins, 11.4. Ten yards downfield or more, 27.6% for Tua Tongo-Vailoa to 23.4 for Kyler, 23.7 for Jones, 19.2 for Haskins. So that's just to say these were not just dink and dunk, fake, phony passes. He can wing it down the field. Traits for Trevor Lawrence. He has a stronger arm than most NFL quarterbacks already. Just 13 sacks all of last year as he is elite in dealing with pressure. Had a 101.2 passer rating when under heavy pressure. Then they talk about his decision making and how he works through progressions faster than anyone they've ever ranked. He made just five of what Pro Football Focus deems turnover-worthy plays. Not that turnovers happened on those plays, but that they were plays by the player in question that should have resulted in a turnover had it not been for a drop or whatever. Just five. Tua had 12. Kyler had nine. Baker Mayfield the year before during his Heisman season had 13. And then they said he's a true freshman, so his decisions are only going to get better. And this was their conclusion. Two Otonga Vailoa is good. He's really, really good. But Trevor Lawrence is off the charts. This is directly from Pro Football Focus. Quote, he's different from anything we've ever seen at this college football level. True freshmen are never good at quarterback, yet there isn't a single area that goes into passing a football at which Lawrence wasn't already arguably the best in college football by the end of the season. He is a robot put on this earth to play the quarterback position, unquote, from Pro Football Focus. So I started to think, how much fun is this going to be to watch? These two guys, all the numbers that I just laid out, really kind of boils down to, ooh, this is going to be fun. They're going to be going for a national championship. One's the likely top pick in the draft a year from now. One's almost assuredly the top pick two years from now. Pro Football Focus also said this to NFL GMs out there who know they need quarterbacks or think they might. Quote, you should do everything in your power to go 0-16 in 2020. Lawrence is that special. Unquote. He is special. So is Tua. Trevor Lawrence is also 19. And so I hate to even say this. But, and we saw another example of it this weekend, because you see the best and worst of people's reactions dependent upon their agendas and where they want to go with things. But I've simply observed the climate of this nation long enough that it's accurate. 
even though it's merely a prediction today as it relates to these two guys, both of them. But Trevor especially, just because he's 19, and the level of hype is just so off the charts, insanely high. People are soon going to start getting joy out of watching even the slightest failures of these two young men, whether it happens on the field or off. Because more than anything, that's what social media is. It's the place to build myself up, either internally or in public, at the expense of somebody else. For every Rex Chapman Dogsboro video that makes us smile or laugh or whatever it might be, those kinds of reactions. And there are a lot of positive things on the internet and a lot of positive things that are done on social media. But for every Rex Chapman video, there's hundreds or thousands of nasty, selfish, vapid, empty things that are said. So let me ask you this question. Where exactly can Trevor Lawrence go higher over the next two years? The answer is nowhere. There is nowhere higher Trevor Lawrence can go for the next two years than where he is right now. When he gets to the NFL, provided nothing goes wrong, injury or tragedy or who knows, that will be the final football challenge of his life, the NFL level. And I talked about Trevor a couple of months ago, and I told you then to consider the difficulties and the pressures that you don't want to think about related to Trevor Lawrence. The same thing with Tua tonga or any of these stud athletes, Zion Williamson, same deal. What is it that he can do that's not going to be scrutinized? Nothing. If I were advising him, I would maybe be thinking in my head, dude, get yourself every streaming service you can, get Netflix, get Hulu, get HBO Go, get Amazon Prime, get ESPN Plus, get Disney Plus when it releases, get it all. Get yourself a couple of gaming consoles, and other than that, study scripture, and then secondarily study football. But at 19, even if he's mature beyond his years, and a lot of things that he has said would lend you to feel that way, he's still going to make mistakes. And he needs to be allowed to make mistakes because that's how you grow is through experiences and rebukes and challenges and trials and all these things. The problem for Trevor Lawrence and for Tua Tonga-Vailoa is that the world is waiting to pounce on them. And it's amazing because people will jump on anything that they can, but then they're going to love that redemption story after the fall. They just also want to see the fall. These two guys... And after reading through the pro football focus content, Trevor Lawrence especially, he's going to be the guy that's going to become the, oh, would you please stop talking about him guy. Remember how those trolls went after ESPN for how often they talked about Zion Williamson? How if you would go through social media to any video of Zion Williamson doing a dunk or something, the vast majority of it would be get off this guy's expletive every single time. Magnify that as we watch America's true sport, football, as rules keep this guy in college football for two more years. And so there was another article today and a national radio topic that I received an update about through my email as well this afternoon, both all about how many NFL quarterbacks Trevor Lawrence is already better than today. And a few days after the national championship win, the 44-16 win over Alabama, I ran through the entire league, and I asked the same question. I tweeted it out. The night of the national title game, I started saying, how many teams would draft him number one despite who they have at quarterback right now? 
So I was part of that. And the list that I came to about how many wouldn't was really, really short. I am hoping first and foremost that I do not let cynicism surrounding Trevor or anything else in my life and just the cynicism that comes with Trevor Lawrence fatigue, which is what I was just describing about Zion Williamson. I hope that that does not sour me on watching him excel. We really haven't seen anything like this in college football before. And for my money, it's the best sport in the world, the college game, best entertainment for sure, anywhere on the planet. And so eventually I want to get to a new place. And I'm not even talking about you. Even if you think I am, I'm talking about me because I've gone to this place before, but I actually want to build a house and stay there this time. And I know that I can't because of what I do for a living, but I just want to watch these guys and these gals and everybody else like them, unless they're my arch rivals, you know, and they play for the team that I am supposed to hate. And then I don't want to see them do well as they play, at least as it relates to my team. But I want to see them excel. I want to see them perform and succeed and do well. Because all this vitriol and all this negativity and all this pessimism and all this cynicism and all this envy is unbecoming of me. And I see it more often than I'd like when I look in the mirror. And when you get into sports media, I think that your fandom to some degree wanes whether you want it to or not because you're covering everything. It doesn't mean that you're no longer a fan of where you went to school or whatever, but there is a new degree of objectivity to what's occurring and the things that you now have to evaluate a little bit differently. And so I hope, I can't promise it, but I can hope for it, that I never have to cover a negative story about Tua or Trevor or Kyler or Marcus or Jameis or anybody else. Last week I heard Pablo Torre on ESPN talking about the LeBron James-David Griffin beef. And he said, you know, boy, I hope this thing's real because we in sports media love feuds because they're so good for business. And it was sobering to hear that because it was right. It was accurate. He said it as a positive, that we're hoping it's a rivalry, a conflict, something that we can really sink our teeth into and talk about and discuss and debate. And he's dead right about that. So whenever it is, however, that I get a tinge of something else, when I get the sense that I can take a story in the opposite direction, like I could with this one today, I'm starting to feel like I need to seize that chance when I can and do so. Because most of my business, most of what you listen to all day long is critical and it's nitpicking and it's pouncing on what's juicy. And if only we, and I stand at the top of that list, if only we can consider all of what Trevor Lawrence is going to have to go through rather than assuming everything in his life is going to be perfect because he's a big man on campus and he's a freshman that has all of this hype behind him and he just won a national championship and he's probably going to win multiple Heismans and blah, 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 blah. If we can actually think about the flip side of being Trevor Lawrence at age 19 and never, he's never going to know what a regular life feels like. Maybe if we can stop long enough to think about that, we can also maintain a level of empathy for the 19-year-old kid that's still trying to figure out what it's like to be an adult that's still trying to figure out what it's like to be a functioning member of society. Because we've all got challenges. You've got challenges in your life. I've got challenges in mine. And even a freshman 
that pro football focus basically deified this weekend. He's got challenges. Don't forget it. Nobody goes through life without pain and without confusion and without emptiness that threatens them down to their core. Personally, I just hope I remember that the next time jealousy rises up and tries to take me down because maybe then I won't root for the interception just to make myself feel better. Up next, another guy who I've been critical of on the field. I want to tell you again what a fantastic human being he seems to be in his life and how hard I'm rooting for him. That story is next. That's a big six rolls along here on 104.5 The Zone. So They're not wasting your time, even though sometimes I go in places and talk about things that maybe you weren't expecting to hear when you tuned into the show. Hopefully that's a good thing. If you've heard the same thing all day long, me regurgitating the same information is not going to be particularly novel by definition, but it's also not going to be particularly inviting or interesting. So I want to talk about somebody else that you, if you've listened to this show for any length of time, you know, because I've laid the case out about Jalen Hurts before going to Oklahoma and why I wouldn't have gone there if I was him because of who he's trying to follow and his skill set as a quarterback. But I also have said that I root for him maybe harder than any other athlete, especially on a college level, because the way he conducted himself after being benched, despite all the success that he had at Oklahoma, how he handled himself throughout that process how he got his degree, how just everything about him screams character. And a little bit earlier on today at OUDaily.com, there was an article that really lays out a full-on history of Jalen Hurts from his high school days at Channel View through Alabama to Oklahoma as we look towards the college football season. And so for this article... They talked to Lane Kiffin. They talked to Josh Gaddis, his former OC, who's now in Michigan, uh, a high school counselor of his, and teammates at Alabama and Channel View, inclu- including Raekwon Davis, who is quoted a lot in this thing. I just want to read a piece from that. This is the second time that I've read directly from an article about Jalen Hurts on this program because when you get an opportunity, just like I was talking about in the first segment, this is all positive. There's not a thing negative to say right here. This is a story that should put a smile on your face whether you're sitting in traffic or you're in your driveway right now. Stop long enough to just listen to this. Don't think about all the critical things that I've said about him as a football player and whether or not he's going to throw 10 interceptions or whether or not he's not going to be as good as the two guys that preceded him that both won Heisman trophies at Oklahoma. Throw all that to the wayside and just listen to this from OU Daily. For all the stories and anecdotes of Hertz's time at Alabama, The way he went about leaving a place that gave him the highest of highs and the lowest of lows may provide the biggest indication of who he is. He had the blessing of all his coaches at Alabama when he decided to transfer, Gaddis said. He earned the respect of every player, coach, and member of the football program by the way he handled things, the right way. If it wasn't for Hurts, Gaddis and Davis both agree Alabama wouldn't have been successful as it was during the three years he was there, whether he was playing or not. Gaddis says, I think one of his greatest attributes is his confidence in his ability and his teammates' abilities. When he has that confidence going, it really allows him to display his true leadership skills. People gravitate to positive-thinking people. OU is already starting to feel Hertz's positive energy. In January, he took pictures and signed autographs for an hour during Oklahoma's basketball game against Texas. This spring, he joined a mentorship program at Lincoln Elementary in Norman. And in July, he made the day of a young fan 
Jenna Britton when he spent the day with the former Oklahoma City Children's Hospital patient. And then there's a video from that. But continuing with the article, Oklahoma can expect a great representative of its university and a person who's going to do good things in the community, Gaddis said. He's going to embrace the Oklahoma culture, the community. As this season takes off, fans can expect to see his leadership play as big a role as any other attribute he brings to the Sooners. It won't be about how many touchdowns he scores or if he wins the Heisman. Those who know him well say it will be about how many moments he can make better, whether it shows up in a highlight reel or occurs behind the scenes. His former teammates and coaches say they'll be watching the Sooners on Saturdays when they can. Alabama fans even admit they want to see their former quarterback do well. I think it would be an awesome ending to a story that's very unusual nowadays in college football. A guy fights through adversity, stays and still leads his team, and then leaves to lead another. Lane Kiffin said, You like to see stories end right for really good people, and this would be one of them. As for Hertz, he's going to be himself. He's going to do it in his own style. He won't stay in the shadows of those who came before him. And no matter what role he plays, he'll continue to be a man of character who finds a way, on the field or off, in the huddle or on the sideline, to make a team better. Just don't put too much pressure on yourself, Kiffin said. Hey, you've got to win the Heisman, or you have to have the same numbers as Baker and Kyler. No. Just worry about a day at a time and do your job. Don't worry about comparisons. Be Jalen, because Jalen is pretty good. That's just the end of that article. The article is really, really long. But right there, it said, don't, you don't have to worry about what Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray did. You don't have to worry about all these things. You just have to take it day by day and be the best you you can be. Be the best version of Jalen Hurts that you can be. And so that kind of made me stop and think when I read the article because my whole case about Jalen Hurts rested on he's not going to be Kyler. He's not going to be Baker. And here's Lane Kiffin telling me, quiet down. Stay in your lane. If Jalen Hurts is going to be Jalen Hurts, he's going to be fine. I I have said previously that there's nobody I root harder for than Jalen Hurts. This article goes into great detail about how he handled himself at Oklahoma. There are some great stories in this thing. I wish I had the time to sit here and read this whole deal to you, but you tuned in for a radio program, not an audio book. But I will tweet it out at jmartzone for my Twitter account, and I urge you if you got time to read it because it's a positive story. Man, after this weekend and after just everything that you – look, if you go to Twitter for 30 minutes, you're going to find a reason to not be happy. This will be the opposite. So I'm going to tweet it out during the break here in just a minute. If you follow me at jmartzone or if you just search my name, you'll see it, and you can you know bookmark it or whatever. If you don't have time now, I would urge you to read this later on. It's incredibly well done, first of all. It's interesting. It was written by the sports editor at OU Daily, George Stoya. It's it's uplifting, and I think we could all use that. And even though there's going to be so many days, probably 90% of the time when you listen to this program and I'm picking somebody apart for some boneheaded decision that they made, or you know, I'm, gonna even, I'm even going to do it at the end of this show. I already know it. I know what I have planned to talk about in the final segment. And it's funny. It is. It's a mistake that somebody made, and that's, that's what I have to do. But I just want to spend at least half of one show, even if it's that way once every couple of months, just trying to find a way to see things from the opposite side. Instead of looking at Larry David 
looking at that season three Curb Your Enthusiasm advertisement that I mentioned last week where he's staring down at a glass of water that's about half full. And it's just an implication of how you view life. Do you look at it as half full or do you look at it as half empty? And because it's Larry David, he probably doesn't even realize that it's half full and he probably thinks it's two-thirds empty because that's what Curb Your Enthusiasm is. And that's why it's funny. I'm trying to look at it from the positive perspective today. Trevor Lawrence is going to have a really, really tough life, and that's the way to still hold empathy for him despite all the wonderful things that you're going to see him accomplish. Jalen Hurts, I don't know if he's going to be as good as Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray. I've told you what I believe, but I'm also telling you I'm rooting to be wrong. I'm rooting to be more wrong about him than I've been about anybody. Nothing would make me happier than to see that kid, that young man. You know what? That's not even appropriate. That man, that mature adult, succeed on the highest level. We'll be right back. This is The Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. Zone. Oh, worth your time. Great job. A lot of research that went into that one, but everything... (laughs) It's like you you keep on digging and you find more reasons to like Jalen Hurts. I'm hosting Outkick the Coverage all week long. You hear the first hour here on 104.5 Zone before the wake-up zone takes over. Um, in for Clay Travis, in with Jeff Schwartz, who actually helped me on one of the things that I'm going to discuss here during this segment. But Tom Brady signed, well, he agreed to an extension, but it's something called voided years, which means there's still going to be negotiations that have to happen, but... No reason to think that they won't. Robert Kraft said that he expects Brady to be the quarterback for a long time to come. And Brady's dodged a lot of injuries, and even though he certainly didn't look great at times last year, he's 42, and I continue to wonder what's he doing after football. Are we ever going to see him after football? I mean, he's not taking a job as an analyst, I don't think. Maybe TB12, maybe that's part of this deal. Um, maybe that's one of the reasons why he might be willing to take less money and and – you know, I was thinking about that this morning. We always, you know, we get on social media or whatever, and just, oh, this guy's he just wants to make another million dollars. How much money do you need? Blah, 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 all this. I mean, think about you. If you had the opportunity to make $1.2 million or you could negotiate to make $1.5, would you take it? Even if that was by far all the money that you needed? Let's say you were 90 years old and you negotiated that contract and you were going to have that much money after taxes or whatever like that, you'd still go for the most money, right? And nobody would begrudge you for trying to get paid as much as you can. Nobody listening would try to get paid less. But for some reason, we look at athletes because of their salaries and assume that they should be taking pay cuts. We should actually laud athletes when they do. I mean, I guess. But I usually look at it and say, if somebody wants to go get money, I hope that they get as much as they possibly can because they're not guaranteed a long career. Tomorrow, that leg could snap. So make it while you can make it. But Tom Brady was rated in the top 10 of the NFL Network top 100 list that's voted on by the players. And so I asked Jeff Schwartz, who played in the league for eight years, because Drew Brees was number two on that list. He was number one quarterback and the second highest rated player in the NFL, according to these rankings, with only Aaron Donald of the Rams above him. It wasn't Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes was, I think, fourth. Khalil Mack was third. But those were the two quarterbacks in the top five. But would anybody say Drew Brees was the best quarterback in the NFL today or last year? I would say the answer was no if you watched the last month of the season and watched the playoffs. But the question I asked Jeff was, do the players care about this? Do they have their feelings hurt the same way they do about Madden or all of this? 
And he laughed and, and thanked me for asking a question and said, no, we don't care. And then he laid out how he used to vote. They would give it to him in like week seven or eight of the previous season. And it'd be like a Tuesday at practice. And he would just fill it out. And he said the first would be his brother because it was his brother. And then it would be his his favorite four offensive linemen in the league or his favorite four teammates. And then a bunch of offensive linemen that he liked. And that was like how he decided to vote. It wasn't based on any kind of criteria. Everybody does it differently, but very few people sit down and actually think it through. This is not Hall of Fame voting for Cooperstown or for Canton. These guys don't generally care about it. And then then he laid out the Drew Brees thing. He's like, nobody thought Drew Brees was that way, but you've got to think. Week seven or eight last year, what would you have said about Drew Brees? Because the Saints at that point in time were arguably the best team in the NFL. By a fairly wide margin, people were starting to talk about them. In that, remember they beat the Rams down? And then you started to say, well, who's going to beat the Saints? And then I think it was the Cowboys that beat them. And then they started to show a little bit of mortality there. And then you saw Brees only throwing for like 179 yards, 200 yards a game. Early in the year, he's throwing for nearly 400 on a weekly basis. And he looked like he was 10 years younger. And that's why I said on Friday, yeah, you have to pay Michael Thomas. Because between him and Alvin Kamara and Sean Payton's scheme, they have extended a 40-year-old quarterback's career because Drew Brees looks awfully mortal without weapons around him at this stage in his life. I'm not saying he's not elite. I'm saying at his age, having a guy that can catch the way Michael Thomas does at the clip and at the rate that he does, and Alvin Kamara and the way that he was able to change what everybody had to do defensively to deal with them. The space that he opened up and the outlet in that short to intermediate range when necessary as a dump-off passer or even as not even as a dump-off was exponentially important to what Drew Brees was doing. But if you look at it from that perspective, like if you saw this this weekend, if you saw these rankings and you saw all the people talking about it and lamenting it and acting like this is some egregious sin that needs to be righted and this is a wrong that must be avenged and all this – People probably need to slow down. Again, if these things are being given out in like week seven of the previous season, one, what are you thinking about in week seven during the regular season if you're an NFL player? You're probably thinking about the back half of the season and how you're navigating whatever pain that you're probably going through physically because you're starting to get beaten up and beaten down. Whatever your record is and the stress that goes along with trying to make a playoff push or if you're out of it, hoping you're still going to have a job on a bad team, or that it's not going to reflect poorly on you, and balancing all of that with, I don't know, having a family, going to church, doing other things, if you have time to do other things, I can't imagine that they are sitting down and giving any kind of real thought to this. And it's not something I had considered until Jeff said it. So all of these rankings, and I look at Mike Sando's quarterback list, which I've talked about the last two years on this program, as something I do pay attention to because it's executives and it's people that I do think are actually giving serious input on quarterbacks. But Chris Sims's rankings, I've kind of pilloried those before. People just go out there and throw out rankings, especially if it's on like pro football talk or something like that that's just designed to get clicks and designed to get attention. The NFL Network thing is great because it makes you start to care and it puts football back in the discussion chamber. It puts it back onto the debate stage. Now we can talk about, well, how good is Drew Brees? Would you really say Tom Brady's number nine and he's 42 years old? And Aaron Donald, how can you be a top 10 player in the league if you're not a quarterback? Because this is a quarter, it's perfect. 
I don't believe all publicity is good publicity because there is definitely a such thing as a negative when it comes to being talked about. But in this case, that's exactly what you want. It's what we want. It's what we're going to sit here and talk about behind these microphones. It's what's going to be talked about at the bars and at the fellowship halls and at the barbershops and all of these different places. And it's put the NFL back in our collective thought process before we're even watching the fake football that we're going to real quickly remember isn't very good, except for our team because we want to see who's going to end up on that roster, and we care about it from that perspective. But as we're watching these games, I can guarantee you within the next couple of weeks I'll start a topic about can we get rid of the preseason or can we limit the games because I did it last year, and I'll be one of about, I don't know, a thousand radio hosts across the country that will do exactly the same thing because we're going to realize about seven minutes in and it took about three minutes on Thursday in a Hall of Fame game to remember, oh yeah, preseason football is not very good. Like if the AAF were running right now, I would wonder how it would do against preseason NFL football because that's kind of the reason I don't believe in spring football working in these other leagues because once you get the starters out of there, who is watching these games? I watch it because I put on NFL Network when I'm on the treadmill at the fitness center. But even then, I'm like, gosh, maybe I should just watch Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban on mute. We'll be right back. This is a big six on 104.5 The Zone. Over the past couple of days, we'll talk about accepting limitations first. Clay Thompson saying, don't count out the dubs. That would be very foolish based on what we've done in the past. And he said he's going to come back from his torn ACL that he suffered in what turned out to be the closeout game of the season as the Raptors won the championship. He said he's going to come back more athletic than ever from his torn ACL. He will turn 30, I think it's on February the 8th. It's either the 6th or the 8th. That's around the time he probably comes back from the ACL, if everything goes well. If he does come back more athletic, one, that would be rare. And two, it wouldn't be this year. It would be next year. I am counting out the Warriors as it relates to winning a championship. I think they might be able to make the playoffs, but the one thing that I don't think people have thought about enough is while Klay Thompson is out, and we're trying to figure out what D'Angelo Russell is going to be and what else is going to happen, how is Steph Curry's body going to hold up? Because he has been injured a lot in his career, and he's going to have a lot put on him unless they are keeping him out of some of these games or they get him out as soon as it looks like, oh, right, we're probably not going to have it tonight. They're going to have to be real careful with him because if he's out, it doesn't matter what Klay Thompson does when he comes back. As good as he is. And the Warriors extended Draymond Green $100 million for four years. And some people kind of went after that. Good for Draymond Green. Glad he got paid. I'm not a huge fan of him personally, but I did see either he said the right stuff or he actually has matured a little bit. He seemed to be a little bit more just kind of under control, I guess you would say, during this postseason, and he played the best postseason of his career. Definitely the worst regular season of his career. But at this point, he's more of a postseason contributor anyway, and he was magnificent throughout that run until it came to an end because they just didn't have enough firepower by that point. But, you know, you have to accept your limitations. And you have to measure your expectations. Clay Thompson, I don't know if he's saying this to make himself believe it, or he actually is somewhat delusional about the recovery that he's going to go through 
and what somebody past 30 years old who's coming back from this kind of an ailment usually can produce when they come back. Maybe he comes back and he's more athletic, but it will not be this year. So his argument is don't count out the dubs because I'm coming back better than ever. You might, but it's going to take another offseason. This much I think we know. And then the other NBA player that said something interesting was Carmelo Anthony. On Friday, he seemed to kind of come to grips with the end of his career, but he's not ready to accept it. He doesn't understand why nobody on 30 teams will put him on a 15-man roster anywhere that he had to realize and that it was a really hard pill for him to swallow. And he even used the word pride, so I don't have to, that he was a starter and he was the guy in New York and he made 10 straight playoffs, a lot of that in Denver. And then he went to New York where he was still averaging around 24 points a game. He's a former scoring champion. He won the NCAA championship at Syracuse as the star of a team as a true freshman. We spent you know, the first segment of the show talking about Trevor Lawrence and what he did as a true true freshman at Clemson. But Carmelo Anthony's like, I, I, I can come off the bench now. Like, I'm fine to come off the bench now. Like, his ego has finally been, he's been humbled enough that he just wants a chance and he still thinks he can contribute in the league. I don't know that he can. Because, yeah, he can definitely come off the bench and score, but who's he going to guard? And is that person going to go off for 20 while he's trying to guard him? because he's slow and that's just not a piece of his game that was one ever great. And now is just far different. He could still go out there and potentially get you eight to 10 points. And I would definitely say he's, he's worthy of a roster spot, but can a guy who's so used to being the guy really sit in the background? How long before that powder keg becomes a potential problem and you have to run away from it in case it's going to explode? Would you rather have somebody that's going to be more meek than putting Carmelo Anthony to try and just kind of hang on to a basketball dream? He has accepted his limitations. I think he's measured his expectations, but he brings a potential chemistry problem or he could be a great leader. And then I looked at the story about USA basketball and how everybody's bailing on it. Looks like Kimball Walker and Kyle Lowry are the only two like real household names that are out there that you're seeing on some of these lists of guys that are going to be playing on these teams. And so I'm thinking to myself, well, one thing Carmelo Anthony always did really well was play international basketball. And if that's the case, then why not say I'll play for the World Cup? I mean, that would be interesting. If he would go and, you know, Greg Popovich is coaching that, coaching that team, it's going to be NBA players, but it's not the Team USA dream teams that you've seen in the past. If he were to come there and be kind of a mentor and a leader, he could potentially extend his career right here because he could earn some level of equity because when he has played in international competition in the Olympics, the impression of Carmelo Anthony has been drastically different than it's been when he's been the black hole for the Knicks or the guy that's the George Costanza at times with the Nuggets and certainly what played him out of Oklahoma City and what played him out of Houston. And he said that Daryl Morey let him go, that he felt like he was betrayed and he was sad and that he had to kind of reevaluate himself and think about it. Measuring expectations, accepting limitations. Eventually, it's going to come to an end. Eventually, Tom Brady won't be 42. He'll be 52, and I imagine he's not playing by that point. I wanted to tell this kind of funny story about DJ Cooper on the way out the door here. 
Maybe we won't get to the stat because I think this will make you laugh. DJ Cooper played at Ohio University. He's an American guard. He was, he's been suspended for two years by FIBA, the International Basketball Association. And that's because he provided another person's urine for a doping test. And how would you find out that that's something that happened? He was trying to join the Bosnian national team as a naturalized player. The test results on the urine that Cooper provided as his own, I'm reading this from Eurohoops, revealed that DJ Cooper is pregnant. Whoops. If you're going to use somebody else's urine because it all kind of looks the same, probably make sure that person's not pregnant. He was suspended for fraud. And then it reads, Cooper's punishment will keep him out of courts until June 20th, 2020. I think that probably should read off of courts because it's not a crime. It's just stupid and unfortunate. And it's really unfortunate because if DJ Cooper were pregnant, he would be famous. And that would be amazing. We do have time for the stat. Let's make you smarter on the way out the door. Talked about Draymond Green signing his extension for $100 million and Klay Thompson talking about don't count us out. That would be foolish based on the past. He's not wrong when you're basing it on the past. Combo of Draymond, Clay, and Steph Curry. 764 win percentage in games they played together in their careers. They're 365 and 113. How good is that? It's the highest win percentage by any trio in NBA history. We'll see you tomorrow. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night.